The portion of God's Word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you could see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. When God created the world, and then finally on day six, created human beings, he gave two special blessings to humans that he didn't give to any other creatures that he had made. Remember what they were? Of course, the first one is the image of God. Remember, he, he says, let us make man in our Im- image. In the likeness of God, human beings were created. Adam and Eve were created holy, righteous, blameless, innocent, just like God. That's something that wasn't said about anything else in all creation. Just humans were made in the image of of God. Remember what the second one is, though? The second blessing that only was given to mankind? God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. God created us in his image and he created us to rule. To rule over creation, to rule over the animal kingdom, to take care of the earth that he had created. But of course, our rule has its limits. There's only so much that we can control. And it's this idea that there are things beyond us. That there are things beyond our ability to control, things that we don't rule over. 
that has been a topic of discussion and contemplation by authors and poets and philosophers generation after generation. Science fiction is full of stories like this. Back in 1897, an author by the name of H.G. Wells wrote a famous novel called War of the Worlds. Maybe you're familiar with it. In that 1897 novel, he tells a story of Martian invaders coming into Britain and striking fear into the hearts of all the people in the the land. The narrator, at one point, leads the reader to contemplate what it would be like to be a, a little family of bunny rabbits. This must be what it's like when a construction crew moves in and starts digging the foundation for a a new building and a a family of rabbits that used to burrow there is sent scurrying and, and running for their lives as shovels go into the ground without care or concern for whatever critters once lived there. The author says, this is what it's like for us now as the Martians invade. There is a certain fear that strikes the heart of a human when the human realizes that there is something beyond my control. And so when we hear Jesus talk about the destruction of the earth, it's no wonder that that would drive fear into the heart of a human. Because when our Savior Jesus returns to judge and destroy, no amount of humans will be able to rise up and and save the day No one will be able to prevent the earth's destruction. There is nothing that can be done to stop God from destroying the world. And so there's this fear, this anxiety that sets into a human heart when we contemplate something that is beyond us, that's beyond our control. Jesus describes things happening in the world that have definitely happened around us and are constantly happening. Temperatures rise, the ocean levels rise with them. And what happens to the people? What did Jesus say would happen? On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Humans want to survive. They want there to be a a world for their children and their grandchildren after them. That's the idea of sea levels rising and earth conditions becoming unstable brings about fear, anxiety. Jesus goes on to talk about people looking at the heavenly bodies, humans taking to the skies with telescopes and spaceships, observing comets, meteors, asteroids, stars exploding and black holes devouring entire solar systems. What is a human supposed to do if the sun explodes or if a black hole were to begin to devour our solar system, we're helpless. There's nothing we can do. It it drives fear into the heart of humanity, just like Jesus said it would. There are things that are clearly beyond our control as humans, and when humans think about the potential destruction of the earth, it causes great fear and anxiety. If you and I are not careful, that fear and anxiety that the world experiences when it thinks about the end of the world 
can easily infiltrate our hearts. The human's desire to, to survive and even thrive, to make the world a better place for future generations, that's an appealing concept. And so next thing you know, we, we spend our days trying to make life better for our kids, trying to make sure that our grandkids are set up for success and find ourselves unprepared for Jesus' return. Some, afraid of the end, caught up in all sorts of anxiety as they see the political and social unrest around us, the, the world going to hell. They get nervous and anxious and they begin to cope. For some, it's alcohol, medication. But maybe not for you. Maybe for you, you just bury yourself in your work. When you feel the stress levels rising and the tension in the world, you just work more. You scurry about the home and fix this and take care of that and care for this one and prepare for that. Maybe for you, it's, it's not drugs or alcohol or, or work or, or household. Maybe for you, it's any number of pleasures. Seeking after this thing or, or that thing, indulging in this or indulging in that. Coping with the stress and anxieties of things that are beyond your control. Or maybe you got another trick. Maybe you just ignore it. Turn off the news, block it out, stop paying attention to everything going on around you. Stop listening to what people are saying. Ignore it. Maybe even forget that Jesus could come back today or tomorrow or next year because he wouldn't come back in your lifetime, right? We may all deal with it in different ways, but we probably don't deal with it in a good way. When things in this life build up and cause stress and anxiety, when it becomes clear to us that something, anything, is beyond our control, so often we turn to things that we feel like we can control and trick ourselves into thinking that everything's going to be okay. Jesus warns. He says, be careful. Be on the watch. It's going to come unexpectedly like a trap. We deserve to have Jesus say to us, look at the signs. You see the end coming? Run. Hide. Your destruction is drawing near. But that's not what he says. He doesn't say run. He doesn't say hide. He doesn't say your destruction is drawing near. He says stand up. Straighten up. Lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. And that is a really cool picture. We use the word redeem quite often in our society, actually. You get your little McDonald's coupon and it says, redeem for one boiling lava hot cup of coffee that will destroy your mouth. Bring it here by December 31st and you could get your free coffee. 
Redeem it, right? What does that mean? Exchange this piece of paper that's worth nothing. Exchange it for boiling lava hot coffee, right? To to redeem something is to, to take one thing and exchange it for another thing. When our God reminds us that our redemption is drawing near, that helps us understand why we are looking at this text on the second Sunday in Advent, preparing for Christ's first coming. Because God sent his son to be exchanged for you. The fact that he is your redeemer means that God sent his son to take on flesh so that he could pour out his blood in exchange for you, for me. Even though you and I are the people who scurry about with anxiety and worry, even though we're the ones who are always afraid and who cope with our stress and our fear and anxiety in all the wrong ways, with all the wrong things, even though we deserve death and hell and and destruction, God sends his son in exchange for us to pour out his blood for you, for me. I was playing a game with my kids this week. A game that reminded us that 65 million men shed their blood in World War II. 65 million. And what did the blood of 65 million men accomplish? A few decades of peace. 65 million. And the blood of 65 million could not even come close to accomplishing what the blood of one accomplished on the cross. The blood of the God-man was accepted as payment for the sins of the whole world. Not the sins of one generation. The sins of every man, woman, and child who have ever lived, who are living right now, and will ever live before Jesus returns. His blood was accepted by the Father as payment for every single man, woman, and child to ever live. And that means definitely for yours. Definitely for mine. The Redeemer has come. He has come to win forgiveness for your sins and mine. And he says when he returns, we don't have to run and hide and fear destruction. We get to stand up straight at peace. Lift up our heads confidently because our redemption is drawing to its fulfillment. Wow. This is why Jesus tells the little parable in the middle of our text. This is one that maybe you haven't started to think about yet because it really hasn't even started snowing. Winter hasn't really come yet. It will soon. And then there will come a time when you start looking forward to the buds on the trees. Because when you see the buds on the trees, you know winter is over, summer is Here, it's coming right now, summer. Jesus says, it's just like the trees. When you see the leaves begin to bud and and sprout, you know summer's here. Well, when you look around and you see nations in anguish and perplexity over the tossing of the sea and fainting in terror at the heavenly bodies and what they might do, you know. You know the kingdom of God is near. You know the end is near. It's it's a certain fact. Jesus says, heaven and earth, heaven and earth are going to pass away. But my words, 
My words will never pass away. And that's the key. That, that is the key to you and I navigating the chaos of this world with peace and confidence. Yes, God comes to us in his word and he shows us the very real examples in our life when we have not prepared ourselves for his return. When we have coped with fear and anxiety in all the wrong ways and with all the wrong things, he shows us that in his word so that he could show us what he did with his son, redeeming us with his blood. Anxiety is real. Fear is real. What does this mean for us? How are we supposed to navigate? This is why Jesus gives us the warnings and the encouragements that he does at the end. He's acknowledging these things are real. Anxiety is a real thing. Depression, being weighed down by the burdens of this world, these are real things. The question is, how do we navigate this? Is God saying that, that you are forbidden from using any kind of medication, from taking anti-anxiety medication or, or any other kind of medication that might ease your pain or improve the quality of your life? Is that what God's saying? No, not at all. What is he saying? He's saying, don't look to medication to be your savior, to be your redeemer. Jesus is. He is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. And thanks to Him, you can straighten up at peace. You can lift up your head in confidence. And you can take your medication. Thankful for the blessing that God has provided to you through these doctors and scientists who have found ways to help the human body. You you won't turn to these things as your Savior, as your hope, as your Redeemer. Jesus already is. And yet you can be thankful for the blessing that God has given to you in these things. What's Jesus saying? Alcohol is strictly verboten? No. He does warn us of the dangers of dissipation and drunkenness, two sides of the same coin. Dissipation, that's the crushing the beers and the, the shot after shot after shot. That, that's the drinking wine and wine and wine and wine. That's the process of getting to the drunkenness. He warns us, don't go there. Don't look for, for salvation and at peace and hope at the bottom of a bottle. Jesus has already provided you with salvation and, and peace and hope. And yet as you gather together with family and friends and those you love the most, you can have a beer when you watch the Packer game tonight, today. Have, have two. Thank the Lord. Thank him for the blessing of relaxation. Thank him for the blessing of of time spent with those you love. But remembering that your peace and your hope won't be found in in a bottle. They're found in Christ and in Christ alone. You're not going to go home today and and allow yourself to be consumed with with work or or household chores or or Christmas preparations or caring for this child or, or preparing for that. You don't need to find your comfort in these things. Jesus already is your comfort. You get to stand up straight with peace in your heart. You get to lift up your head confident, knowing that no matter what happens in the world around you, 
Jesus' coming is not the end of something good and the beginning of something bad. No, it's the end of something bad and the beginning of something so good that you and I can hardly begin to even understand how awesome a gospel phrase it is to hear that your redemption is drawing near. Because Jesus' second coming is the culmination of everything he worked for in his first coming. It's the culmination of everything he rules over right now. Jesus' second coming means that you and I will be with him forever, never again weighed down by the anxieties of this life, never again stressed out beyond beyond our wildest dreams, never again depressed, never lonely, never afraid. There's something beautiful about focusing on Jesus' second coming as we prepare to celebrate his first. It reminds us why his first coming is such a reason to celebrate. The fact that God took on flesh and blood to redeem you means when everything around you is spiraling out of control, you get to stand up straight at peace. You get to lift up your head with confidence because your Savior Jesus' return means your redemption is drawing near. Be at peace, brothers and sisters. Be confident each and every day as you prepare to celebrate Christ's birth and even after, every single day, knowing you are at peace with God, Jesus' blood assures it. Amen.